Welcome to the Dauntless Faith Podcast. This is your host, Leslie Ani. We will continue our series on the importance of studying biblical theology and doctrine with an in-depth study on 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. On the last podcast, we discussed the reasons Christians should make the time to study biblical theology and doctrine. When we study biblical theology and doctrine, it strengthens our faith in Christ. It gives depth and joy to our worship, and it grows our relationship with our Lord. It also better prepares us to share the gospel and helps us to recognize false teaching. Are you like me in that the idea of strengthening my faith, giving more depth and joy to my times of worship, and growing my relationship with Jesus sounds wonderful, but sharing the gospel of Christ or standing up to false teaching, it sounds a bit nerve-wracking. We live in a culture that demands that we stop proclaiming Jesus as God and Savior. Instead, we are expected to deny Christ by saying that all beliefs are the same. It is getting more difficult to speak the truth because we live in a culture steeped in relativism which denies absolute truth. We are learning that we need to exercise a great deal of wisdom on when and how we stand up for our faith. The book of 1 Peter was written during a time of intense persecution of the early Christian church. It encourages the church to stand firm in their faith and to continue living wholeheartedly as disciples of Christ even when we face persecution. In America, there have been times when Christians have been killed for their faith through a school shooting or church shootings, but generally speaking, the American Christian church doesn't usually experience persecution in a way that leads to death. We do experience persecution, but usually in nonviolent ways, such as losing jobs, losing promotions, losing friendships, or being severely criticized on social media. The persecution we come under is a push to silence evangelical Christians and to keep us from sharing the gospel of Christ. Standing firm in our Christian faith and devoutly following the Lord's precepts will not be applauded by anyone who refuses to acknowledge Jesus as God or by anyone who refuses to yield to the authority of their Creator and His Word. The Bible makes it clear that when we desire to follow our Lord and Savior wholeheartedly, we will get pushback from people who are clinging to the world and its ways. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 7 states that there will be times of difficulty for believers because the culture of this world will be one that loves everything but God. And this love to live for the world will enter the church and it will lead Christians astray. 2 Timothy 3.12 continues to warn us that when we desire to live godly lives, we will be persecuted. Jesus himself told us in John 15, 18-25 that the world will hate us like it also hated him. It isn't easy standing up for biblical teaching in this cultural setting that denies our Lord as the only true God and scoffs at the idea that the Bible is the word of God. It isn't easy standing up to false teaching that continues to come into the church and wrongly influence our theology and doctrine. It isn't easy, but the Lord did not leave us to meddle through this and figure it out on our own. 
where culture tells us that we are to be more open-minded and keep up with the times. God's word tells us in 1 Corinthians 15:58 that we are to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Where culture tells us to do what makes us happy. God's word says in Philippians 1:27 that we are to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Where culture says it's okay to spend lots and lots of time in mind-numbing activities like binge-watching television and playing on our smartphones, God's Word says in 1 Corinthians 16.13 that we are to be on the alert and stand firm in the faith. This is why we need to spend less time on things of this world and more time studying biblical theology and doctrine. We need to be better equipped to stand firm in our Christian faith and to stay alert to false teaching from the culture and in the church. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 15 through 17 gives us some guidelines on what we need to do to help us stand firm in our faith. In order to get the context of these 3 verses, we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 in the ESV, beginning with verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. These verses encourage us to stand firm in biblical teaching even when we face oppression or mistreatment. Instead of being fearful or troubled, especially to the point of silence, we need to be prepared to stand firm in the faith. The better prepared we are, the less likely we are to yield to the pressure to embrace cultural ideals that do not line up with the Word of God. The first step to prepare ourselves to stand firm in our faith is found in the first part of verse 15. The ESV says, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. The King James Version instructs us to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. The Holman's Christian Standard Bible puts it this way, Set apart the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Each of these versions are worded a little differently, so we will look at the Greek definitions. First, let's talk about the difference between the versions. King James uses the word God, while the majority of other versions use the word Christ. The difference is based on which of the primary Greek manuscripts the version uses to translate from. This is the kind of thing that people get hung up on and start wondering if the Bible really is the Word of God. While it is a good thing to pay attention to the differences and do our research, we really need to be careful that we don't get distracted by such a minor difference, especially when it doesn't affect the meaning of the text. 
We will discuss the different versions and manuscripts more in our next podcast series, Timeless Word from an Eternal God. For now, whether the word used is God or whether the word used is Christ, the biblical principle is still the same. We need to sanctify Christ, who is God in the flesh and filled with the Holy Spirit, as Lord in our hearts. The Greek word for Lord means someone who is the master, someone who has absolute ownership, someone who has all rights to our lives. That is, someone who has authority over our lives. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16:24 that if anyone wants to be his disciple, then they need to deny themselves and follow after him. As Americans, we are fiercely independent. We don't want anyone telling us what our rights are or how we are to live our lives. Even in home improvement, we prefer to do it ourselves rather than hiring someone with expertise or mastery with that particular skill. Sometimes it isn't about being independent. When people have been victims of abuse or neglect by an authority figure in their lives, it creates trust issues. These wounds can get triggered when they are told that Jesus is to be the Lord over their lives. It can fill them with anxiety or make them more determined to just take care of themselves. Thank you very much. The idea of being dependent on someone telling us what to do tends to rankle us. And sadly, people walk away from Jesus because they don't want anyone to be Lord and Master over their life. They want to do life their way and under their control. However, the fact is that Jesus is Lord over all creation. Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whether we submit to his lordship or not, Jesus is still Lord. And this idea that we are ever truly our own person, free to do whatever we want without any eternal consequence, is one of Satan's lies. Without Christ as our Savior and Lord, then we are slaves to our flesh slaves to our sins, and in bondage to Satan, who is the ruler of this world. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 5 explains it this way, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." Romans 6.12 further explains that when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are not to continue to allow sin and its passions reign as master over our lives. Instead, we are to commit to obedience to Christ. Romans 6.17-18 states, Thanks be to God, 
that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and, having been set free from sin, have now become slaves of righteousness. There is no such thing as being our own master. We are either under the rule of our sinful flesh and the devil of this world, or we are under the rule of the true Lord of all, Jesus Christ. So as Christians, who is going to be the Lord in our lives? Are we going to try to be the Lord over our own lives with all the sinful influences of this world that is under the rule of Satan? Or are we going to die to ourselves and live for Christ, submitting to his authority in our lives? Is submitting to the authority of Christ as Lord over our lives the same thing as, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy? Not exactly, but pretty close. It is one thing to recognize that Jesus has authority in our life, then grudgingly or half-heartedly yield to his authority. But when we recognize the reasons why Jesus should have authority over our lives and that he is worthy of our trust and obedience, then that puts the lordship of Jesus in a different light. When we sanctify Christ, the Lord in our hearts, it brings a deeper joy and commitment to our walk with Christ. That joy brings glory to God as people see the light of Christ in our lives. The deeper commitment helps us to continue to submit to Christ as Lord over our lives through all the trials and temptations that come from living in a fallen world. The Greek word for sanctify means to make holy and to consecrate. When we consecrate or sanctify Christ the Lord in our hearts, we declare that he is holy and sacred. When we consecrate or sanctify Christ the Lord in our hearts, we declare that he is holy and sacred. First, we are not making Christ holy by saying he is holy to us, or that we consider Jesus to be holy as if his holiness is optional. Christ is holy because not only is Jesus fully man, but he is also fully God. When we declare that Christ is holy, we settle that fact in our hearts and minds without any doubt. And second, there is a set-apartness or a separateness that is inherent to the definition of holy and sacred. We cannot focus on the humanity of Christ to the exclusion of the deity of Christ. We must embrace that Christ is both fully man and fully God. Yet, there is a distinction between the fully man part and the fully God part. God is not the same as humanity. There is this tendency in our culture to try to make God like us. Culture wants God's ideals and his characteristics to be more like us and to reflect the things that we like and the ideals that we think are right. But God is not like us. He is separate from us. The triune God is self-existent, that is, he has always existed and no one created him. He created us and he created this world, but God is not a part of creation. We are affected by the sinful ways of a fallen world, but God was not affected by the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. God is set apart from all the sin and error that is in this world that is in us. God is holy. We are not. 
we need to set apart Christ as Lord. We need to settle in our hearts that Christ is holy and that he is Lord. When we consecrate Christ as Lord of our hearts, we are declaring that he is sacred. The word sacred means separated from what is common or what is polluted by sin. The ESV uses the words honor as holy instead of the word sanctify. This Greek word for sanctify also means to venerate. In the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the word venerate means to regard with respect and reverence. However, we don't typically use the word venerate in our everyday language, so the word honor is a good synonym for venerate. Going back to the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, we see that the word honor refers to the way we revere and submit to our Lord as when we worship our Lord God. We are to respect and have reverence for Christ as Lord. It isn't that we should be going around looking like we've been baptized in lemon juice, as the saying goes. We do need to have joyful worship, but without neglecting the reverence and respect due to our Lord. In today's church, this desire to be more joyful and less somber in worship has grown to the point that some churches are so intent on pursuing hype and enthusiasm that they have lost all sense of respect and reverence for our Lord in worship. Churches have become so focused on attracting people to the church that they have made entertainment the focus instead of Jesus our Lord. A couple of years ago, just before the pandemic, we attended the Christmas services at a local church. There were elves and the Grinch and Santa Claus and decorating Christmas cookies, and it was a fun-filled family event. But the problem was, for the most part, Jesus was lost in all the busyness. The majesty and wonder of Jesus had not been set apart from what is common. Charles Spurgeon said, A time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining the goats. We don't want to do this. We don't want to bring so much culture into our church that Jesus gets lost. We need to sanctify Christ as Lord. He is set apart from what is common. He is sacred. Jesus is so much better than those elves and all that cultural Christmas. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is Savior of the world. He is worthy of all our praise and worship. When we attend worship service, we need to stop with the busyness. Let's quiet down. Stop running in and out of the sanctuary during the service. Stop chatting with all our friends during the worship time. Stop checking our social media during the sermon. Stop. Rest. Let's worship. Our music, our lyrics, our sermons, the focus of all our worship should be on our Lord. Sunday is our time that we have set aside. We have set it apart to worship our holy God. So let's do it. Let's honor Christ the Lord as holy. The Webster's 1828 Dictionary gives an example of sanctifying the Lord as someone who praises and celebrates God's holiness. This is something that should carry into our life on a daily basis. Romans 12.1 puts it this way, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we are to sanctify Christ the Lord in our hearts. The Greek word for hearts is referring to our thoughts and feelings. Webster's 18.28 Dictionary defines the heart as the seat of understanding, the seat of the will. We use this meaning when we say things such as, my heart's just not in it, or that just isn't the heart of who I am, or he has my heart. We mean that the heart is the core of who we are and the center for our passions. When we sanctify Christ the Lord in our hearts, it means that we have deeply settled in our hearts to the very core of our being once and for all that the Lord is indeed holy and sacred. And from this determination, the desire of our heart is to honor Him with our thoughts, our feelings, our words, and our actions. We desire that our knowledge and understanding will be in accordance with God's word. We desire that our will is in agreement with God's will. Even though these versions are worded a little differently, they all mean the same thing. We are to firmly settle in our hearts and minds that our Christ is God, He is holy, and He is Lord over our life. Do we reduce Jesus down to what is common? Do we refer to Him as our good buddy, our our BFF? Or have we determined in our hearts to the very core of who we are that Christ our Lord is holy and sacred and worthy of all our praise and honor? This concept of honoring the Lord as holy is not limited to Christ. This applies to the other two members of the Trinity as well. Isaiah 8.13 says, But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. 1 Corinthians 6.19-20 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 7 through 8. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Do we reduce God down to what is common by calling him the man upstairs? What about the Holy Spirit? Do we abbreviate his name with the initials HS? Or do we treat God the Father, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit with the respect and reverence due to our holy God? Once we settle in our hearts, once we resolve in our minds that our triune God is indeed holy, then we need to guard our hearts and minds. We guard our hearts by being careful how we spend our time and what we choose for entertainment. It isn't that we should never binge watch TV or that we should never kick back and read a book. We do need to have times of rest. But we also need to be careful that our theology and doctrine is biblical and not easily influenced by cultural ideals. When we spend more time being influenced by secular entertainment than we do studying the Bible and reading books on biblical theology, then we start slipping in our theology and doctrine. Little phrases that seem benign and innocent start slipping into our conversations, like, God just wants me to be happy, or God believes in you, or God loves you just the way you are. These are not 
biblical statements, but they start seeping into our church vernacular because we are not being careful to guard our hearts and minds. When my children were younger, another mom and I were discussing how careful we should or should not be with what movies and books we bring into our homes. We wanted to teach our children to guard their hearts for the Lord and to understand that our activities should honor our Lord. But at the same time, we did not want to turn our faith into a list of rules and regulations. Nor did we want to imply to our children that we must earn our salvation through good behavior and works. We wanted to teach them to respond to God's love for us by honoring Him with their behavior. After some discussion about how to find that balance and what about this book or what about this movie, our conversation ended with one of us saying, But He is a holy God. That concept, that fact, it settled on us in this atmosphere of respect and reverence. We guard our hearts by getting to know our triune God through reading the Bible, through prayer and worship. We spend time in Bible studies, whether it's through books or online video sermons or podcasts. We spend time reading books or sermons from biblical theologians like C.S. Lewis, Charles Spurgeon, R.C. Sproul, and John MacArthur. Think about how you are spending your time. This week, try skipping a television show or a movie and replacing it with a sermon on video or a Bible study podcast. Or swap out a novel for more time to read your Bible. Add books on theology, like the Moody Handbook of Theology, to your devotions. Or skip a few games of solitaire on your phone and download an app for memorizing scriptures. Let's find ways to sanctify Christ the Lord as holy in our everyday lives. Psalm 19:14 Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please join me in 2 weeks as we continue our study on 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. For more information on Dauntless Faith Publications and other Bible study resources, please visit our website at dauntlessfaithpublications.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram.